This podcast is sponsored by DeFi Solutions. If you're struggling with the limitations of your current loan or lease origination software, DeFi Solutions can help you take the first step. Together, we can build a platform that lets you give your members the deal of their dreams. Visit DeFiSolutions.com to learn more. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. It used to be that only large lenders with extensive financial and development resources could even think about building their own loan origination systems. Today, innovations in hardware, software, and agile processes allow smaller lenders to do so as well. And with the need for personalized relationship management becoming increasingly vital for serving members, credit unions can envision and create loan origination systems specific to their business needs. I'm Casey Mishlevy, Deputy Editor with CUNA News. In this episode of the CUNA News Podcast, sponsored by DeFi Solutions, I speak with Scott Hendricks, Director of Product Strategy for DeFi Solutions, and Craig Levering, Director of Banking Transformation Practice for PricewaterhouseCoopers Advisory Services. Hendricks and Levering discuss some of the technological and industry changes that enable credit unions to build their own loan origination systems. They also highlight the business benefits of doing so, trends to watch, and more. So Scott and Craig, I'd like to start off by talking about some of the traditional thinking behind which types of lenders can afford to build their own systems. What is some of this thinking and why does it need to be reexamined? Traditionally, to build your own system could cost an enormous amount of time and resources. You'd have to create whole IT departments that are very large. And usually only the large banks could afford to do this. In recent years, and especially accelerated the past three years, the ease of which you're able to do that with a lot more of providers of where you store your data, whether it's in cloud or in how you actually want to have a tailored view and customer experience and take ownership of your data, that has made it towards much more affordable, both in the actual cost that you might pay in a subscription, for example, to a software provider, but also in terms of the costs of how you maintain it and build and have the capabilities as an IT department to build out. And so today, it makes more sense than ever to really carefully consider how you might do that. So in the past, you had these large systems that could be mainframe-based, that could be difficult, And today, you've got very configurable systems and platforms as well, which allow you in a lower code or no code type of environment to tailor the experience for the users. Those those are some of the big transitions that have happened there. Scott, your thoughts? I think fundamentally how providers build these systems, I think, has also made a a big difference in how easy it is now for for credit unions and, and smaller banks that maybe didn't have access to the resource and capital to do it before, you know, we're getting away from the concept of the large monolithic system. These are much faster, much more nimble, much more configurable. They're also much more focused on integration. So they're able to talk to other bank systems, other credit union systems, as well as a variety of third parties. 
and all of that stuff is becoming much more plug and play. So it's a lot easier, uh, less time consuming and, and less expensive for, for smaller lenders now to start looking at options to build their own platform in effect. And when we talk about build, there's the concept of build. So build not so much you're building the member experience, you're building your user experience and what it's like to interact with your credit union. That's the building part, less about taking from scratch on code. So it's become much easier in that respect. When we talk about building systems, it's about how you put the systems together and really create that experience. And that's a really good lead into my next question, actually, which is what changes to the marketplace have made it more possible or more ideal for credit unions to start creating their own solutions? And I'm thinking maybe from a membership perspective, why this might be an optimal thing to pursue. One of the strategic values that the credit union has is the relationship, really knowing your customer, understanding them, and having all that data. So when you really think about being able to control that experience and have that, it becomes much easier now with where you can keep that data. So cloud providers have become available and you can trust it and kind of take that security part is now more trustable. And you're really able to design your experience with more of the, what may be called a human-centered design of really what it's like for the member. And so all the tools that allow you to do this used to be very difficult even five years ago. Now you can create this tailored experience to where you don't have to start from scratch building a web page. That's an easy example. It's so much easier to do that now. But all the way through the experience, you've got an approach that you can use where you're using more agile development. It's more accessible for all of the people that work in the bank to help have influence on how this experience can be designed. And so the platforms have built this in as well. So just all these different platforms today allow you to create and build these experiences, which just makes it all the more easier for you to have the business to help prioritize what matters most. So it's as much a methodology and cultural change from old waterfall of requirements to waiting six months for something to be built that just couldn't be tolerated really in a credit union environment, where now you can build in a much more agile environment and the tools are accessible, they're easier to use. And when you get to a difficult part, it's so much easier to outsource that perspective. The bank still owns all the data, but if you need help with the certain pieces and parts of technologies, you can outsource, get that built for you and bring it back. So you really become the owner of how it gets built and put together. And that's been a really change, a big significant change that's happened in recent years. Scott? I think building on that, the the idea that, again, these monolithic platforms, you're able to go in and, and select things that are are specifically for what you need. There's a lot of table stakes things that are out there that, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when a bank was building something on their own, they had to build everything. Craig talked about the UI, but you think about decision engines and data models and rules platforms and, you know, hard coding all your policy rules, all of that stuff had to get recreated. And with access now to, to different technologies that are out there, you're able to, to selectively pick the components that work best for you and integrate those together so that you're creating a, you know, really a best in breed for your particular need. And I think that's a very different departure. And again, that's uh, largely a result of this idea that we're decomposing these large monolithic systems. 
we're focusing more on you know key functional components of that and allowing lenders and credit unions and banks to leverage those individual pieces the way they need to. What would be some of the other benefits of building your own system? When you look at what's out there, you know historically you would have if you had a, a part of your business that was relatively unique, you had two choices. You either could build something on your own that met your particular need, or you would have to change your business process in order to fit some solution that you, you, know, you had purchased off the shelf and were running in your data center. The big advantage of building is that you're able to go in and, and construct that platform or configure that platform to work the way you need it to work. So, you know, your credit flows, your staffing models, your, your underwriting decision engines, those things, able to tailor those to work the way you need them to work for whatever your particular SLA is to your member. Um, you know, if you have unique credit models or, or third parties, those kinds of things, being able to integrate all of that out and have that work in a way that you want it to work. I think the second big thing, historically, these have always been B2B systems. You know, when you looked at originations and servicing and a lot of the internal systems that the credit unions used, there was no exposure of any of that out to the actual member. Your staff, your tellers, your CSRs, your you know, call center reps, those were really the face of your business. And now that this has evolved to be much more of an online business, and it's not just deposit management either. It's, it's lending, it's you know, contract fulfillment, it's everything. So a big part of that is creating the experience that you want your members to have. It's all about branding. It's about giving that member something that makes them want to use you as their source. So building gives you the control over that experience so that your members are are able to do things the way they want to do and interact with you the way that they want to. Craig? And really also, as you consider how you have a unique tailored experience that gives you a competitive advantage from the relationship banking over one of the larger banks. And so with these newer systems, you basically 80% of the headaches and kind of back office problems of encrypting, making sure it's secure, making sure you've got the queuing set up. These, these infrastructure items can be so much more taken care of with modern systems. It allows you to be more flexible. So you hit this inflection point where you consider as a financial services provider that you're moving more along the continuum of also being a software provider. That's what you're doing in this online experience. And as banks move there, it allows you to do that with less overhead and less headaches. But you also have to think about how you own the data and have that to where it allows you to have better offerings that creates growth and also the capabilities. So really these digital assets, which is the data and, and knowing your customer allows you to have that growth. That's the key is having ownership of your data and how it gets used and then also be able to have the capabilities within your own shop to help tailor that experience going forward. And so that's really sort of, uh, as you hear people call it the secret sauce, so to speak, to have something build upon that and really kind of continue growing that experience for your members. And as credit unions consider how to approach a build, what are some of the different options that they could consider when they're looking at systems? There's a lot of different platforms and there's some overlap with them. So today's more modern CRM systems can actually give you a lot of your user interface. It can give you some of your data structures. You have to decide where 
within existing systems you may want to keep if you've got a, a more recent type of platform there, whether it's your workflow engine or how you keep your data and you build around that and add in decision engines. And it's really about integrating across these different platforms to help create that single solution that you offer the members. So that's, you know, the pros of that would be it's more flexible, it's more tailored, and especially if you have something unique, you can build that in. Now, my outside-in opinion is that a lot of cases when I hear banks and clients say unique, when you really dig deeper, it's not always as unique as you might think on the surface. It just needs a few bits of tailoring. And so there has to be really considering the trade-off of amount of effort and kind of long-term expense or cost that might be there to make sure you get that right ROI. The planning for it needs to be more involved. Versus if you start, say, another option be more where you start with a core origination solution and build more around that. Uh, Scott, you can talk about that option a little more in depth, that that's another option approach. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction. You know, even when you think back 20, 25, 30 years ago, a lot of these, when they said they were building, they were really starting with some type of product at the core. It may have been a large mainframe monolithic system. They licensed it. They dropped it into their data center and they hired teams of developers then to go in and start decomposing that application and making the changes to it that they need in order to run their business. That model still holds true today. I think the big difference is that it's much more accessible now than it was then. The technology's gotten cheaper with the cloud and with the, you know, the more open architecture, we're able to extend those platforms out. So, you know, using that as the foundation of the build is still very much a viable option. There are a number of origination solutions out there that have the majority of the components and the integrations that you need. Selecting one that's highly configurable and flexible lets you go in and do a lot of the things that you would have traditionally done with coding, um, you're able to now do through configuration. So your policy rules, your, you know, contract edits, all the things that you have to do through the course of underwriting and then doing the contract fulfillment part of a loan boarding process, those basic components are all in an origination solution already. I think the key then is to take that and identify the areas where you need to improve upon whatever that process is, whether that's the member experience, whether that's your data analytics, whether that's your decision models that you use. If you have a unique lending product out there that has unique collateral or, or some distribution model that, that makes it unique, build where you can't configure so that you're able to deploy that particular product to the market, but you're able to accelerate the build because you're starting with something that has the, the core foundational pieces that you need in order to you know, build that larger ecosystem. Which features are important to account for when building a loan origination system, aside from some of the ones you've already talked about? Is there anything that credit unions should definitely keep front of mind as they're considering their options? Yes, and really starting and really a blank sheet of paper in a lot of ways to consider what's most important to the credit unions and organization to think about what you offer the members, what is needed most, where is there a gap in your offering that maybe competitors are fulfilling right now. Really thoroughly look through that. And to do that, you need IT and business working together. The good news is, is that with credit unions, you have smaller departments. So you can get those teams to operate cooperatively more together. And I've seen they're already usually operating more cooperatively than, say, 
a very large mega global bank type institution, then you can understand what IT capacities and capabilities you need to actually fulfill this and kind of build this out. And then from there, then you can go to your architecture and decide where do I want to host data? What do I want to have in-house? What do I want to have as the type of kind of core infrastructure to link all this together? And that would inform what you need most from the vendors and the vendor solutions. And you're really picking a group of vendors and you could pick where it's a core decision engine or it's an overall originations, you know, base platform that you build upon or which parts you do. But that order, which you do it before you get to like some of the specific features. And I will say that as you do go to build that, it's a rather long list of kind of features to keep in mind. And in other words, it can be harder than you might think on the surface. So that's why you want to be well-informed to start to know. And Scott can tell you some of these details of what you do have to keep in mind as you take on the challenge of building yourself. Scott, if you want to list out a few of those. I think the big one really is, it's not really a feature as much as it is a core need. You have to have support for that product. The business is going to evolve. Markets evolve, borrower needs, uh, member needs. Those all are going to are continual evolution. So whatever you put in place has to have the ability then to adapt as your market adapts and as your lending needs adapt. There's core parts that really drive how successful your business is. You need things that are going to create efficiency. You're going to need things that create automation so that you're able to you know, respond more quickly to, the, to your consumers. At the heart of it, you know, things like queuing and process automation and rules engines and decision engines you have to have some module that focuses on compliance. You have to be able to generate loan documents. You have to be able to validate documents that are done by a third party, like a car dealer. You have to have an e-signature platform. I mean, it goes on and on. As Craig had said, it's a significant list of core things that you need. And then really, it's the focus from a business perspective. What do you need now? And what are the things that are going to give you the greatest lift? And that's really the starting point to where you need to start focusing on what things we need to put in place and when. You know, it's important to note that you're typically not going to build one of these and sort of a big bang and deliver it two years later. You know, with agile development the way it is today, you're, you're going to identify these, you're going to prioritize that feature set, and you're going to start rolling those out. So a big part of this is identifying up front where your pain points are today prioritize solutions for those pain points and make sure that you're delivering on those so that the business is getting the benefit of that, you know, over time. And I'd like to go back to the idea of adaptability that you mentioned, Scott. How have you seen the coronavirus pandemic affect lenders' decisions to build and how they go about building? The start-stop decision, I don't think we saw that as much. The deals that we had that were in flight as far as new you know, new credit unions and banks and FinCos that we were onboarding, if they had already started, that process pretty much continued. People that were maybe on the cusp may have decided to you know, put things on hold a little bit and wait out just to let things stabilize a bit. I think what we did see was some renewed interest in integrating different data sets into the decision process especially the events in March when the unemployment spiked pretty dramatically. And, and we saw you know, a lot of people putting major purchase decisions on hold. The volumes dropped. Once those started to come back, which actually happened relatively quickly, I mean, we had maybe a four to six week 
cliff, if you will. And then after that, we saw the volumes come back and in some cases, actually greater volumes than what we had before the pandemic started. But certainly there was a focus from, from the lending community that we serve that, you know, third-party integrations to get access to more data that could help them kind of navigate through some of the additional credit risk things that were, were coming up as a result of that was certainly something that we continued to push and our clients have continued to push us to, to deliver those capabilities. So, you know, the buy versus build specifically, I think maybe they're, you know, Craig can probably speak a little bit better to that from, from his lens, but, you know, from what we saw from our client base, it was really a minor hiccup on a timing more than anything, but the, you know, things continued pretty much that were already in play. Craig, do you have a perspective from the market side? Sure. What we also saw was a compression of, say, they had a three-year roadmap of here's features we want to have. Here's the future of how we want it. And the demand suddenly put was that that three-year roadmap needed to become a six-month roadmap and really compress and bring in as much as possible. They thought about reestablishing how they have mobile lending and how they have that displayed on various devices. That all had to happen much sooner because that's where the volume picked up. And so that's where we've seen that happen. Otherwise, I haven't seen the pandemic by itself necessarily stop. There have been one or two cases where I've seen where we're waiting to kick off a project. But in other cases, kind of, you know, a silver lining to the cloud, so to speak, people were able to continue to have launches go successfully because the testers were fully available. You're able to get remediation along defects and be able to have your releases happen at a much faster pace than actually happened in, in a pre-pandemic situation and a real good tightening of kind of how all the organization finds ways to work carefully with the business plus technology together. So I've actually seen a more of an increase in that collaboration, which has increased the velocity of people getting their releases out there and getting new features in the hands of the members. Yeah, I think that's consistent with what we've seen in past kind of economic periods where there was, you know, maybe a, a downturn in the operations end of it. Um, if you think back to 08, you would have thought with the amount of turmoil in the financial system that we would have seen a huge drop in the amount of investment. And what we actually saw was a lot of the lenders that we work with had bandwidth. And the business SMEs, you know, had time then to start focusing on things like defining what what solutions needed to do and what, you know, what core capabilities they really needed to improve in order to make their business run more efficiently. You know, when the business is pumping along at 100 miles an hour, that those folks don't tend to have that much time to be able to, to do something like an IT project as their second day job. So when you do have those points where there's maybe a little bit of extra time, that gives them more focus and actually helps IT departments and helps providers and integrators go in and provide a better experience in the end. And finally, what future innovations or trends do you think will become increasingly important or prevalent? I think that the view that the data and the capabilities will continue to drive it. So rather than any specific tool, that sort of kind of cultural change within, it's not just about if I can offer a certain type of loan or one specific product. It'll really be about tailoring decisions and products for that member make it very specific for that member. And if you want to have to where the machines can help you do that to make it more faster and efficient to offer kind of instant approval, if you will, online, you really need to be collecting the data so you can define the boundaries. And this would help sort of build out what the credit analyst is doing kind of through a call center 
to make that more available to have a tailored, you know, deal structure that's really appropriate. So the increased speed of that and also the availability of AI. Now it comes with cautions there because we've seen with some of these automatic and AI, you have to have good core data to train these systems. And if you had somewhere inside of some of your past approval processes, some bias that was built in the data that you didn't know about, the AI would still continue to do that. So I think as we see what the regulators look at, be cautious about over-automating or relying on the AI to make a credit decision. With that said, curating that and making that smarter and faster and really helping automate some of these the, the tougher decisions and, and making it easier to automate, that's where the, the future trends is what I see going more happening rapidly. Yeah, I think building on that, you know, we've seen a, a huge press on our roadmap and on what we're trying to deliver here over the next couple of years, really around using that additional data that's that's coming in and making it meaningful and making it actionable. And that's building it into, you know, decision flows and user journeys and being able to, to tailor credit offers to members based on very specific things that may appeal to them. Getting that 360 view of the customer, whether it's the, you know, the full relationship they have with that credit union, whether that's getting out into the market and seeing what other third-party data sources may have on that particular member that's a borrower, being able to use that data to build very complex decision models that are able to really tailor offers that are, are highly appealing to that particular member. The other push that we're seeing is a lot towards self-service. You know, it started eight, 10 years ago with, you know, with online account service type things, right? Bill pay and, you know, check my balance and those types of things. What we're seeing now from a lending model standpoint is I want to be able to go in and effectively craft my own offer uh, as a member. And that requires the technology be able to ascertain what that borrower is trying to do, run that through decision models and be able to come back to that member with meaningful options for how they might want to borrow money. You're going to pay less interest at 48 months, but it's going to be a higher payment. Can you afford that payment? What's the total exposure in the credit union from a risk perspective? And does that impact the pricing that we want to offer? So there's a lot in there from a data standpoint that really allows these platforms to be very good at minimizing that risk, but at the same time, really enabling the member to put their own financial future in their own hands and be able to craft those things the way they want them to work for them. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. This podcast is sponsored by DeFi Solutions. To learn more about DeFi Solutions, originations, servicing, and technology-enabled outsourcing services for credit unions, visit DeFiSolutions.com.